welcome to the Green Light. I'm Jackson. I'm Lauren. And happy holidays to you all. Actually, happy new year. Happy new year. As you will be hearing this, we finally put behind us the long national nightmare that is 2020. And well, we look forward as to As we're recording this, we haven't yet, but we're close. We're yeah, so close. That is true. We are still in the long national nightmare that is 2020. So <laughs> fingers crossed we make it to 2021 <laughs> so that we can actually release this episode. But we hope you had a great time. We hope you had a happy holidays. Mm-hmm. Hope you listened to our holiday special episode. Yay. Uh, if you didn't, go ahead and take a listen to that. It's a little bit different than a normal episode, but it was still a lot of fun. And now we're back, back to our regularly scheduled programming. Yes. If you will. And, and yeah. yeah, we have another comedy, as we promised. Yes, we do. Um, yeah, this is a really fun script. This it's is a, one of my favorites, I think, script. that it we've is, had. It is called Prelude to a Hostile Takeover by Alexander Perez. Yeah, and uh, we have two special guest actors this week, The yes. Return of Tori Jewell. Yes. Uh, and we also have another actor named Janine, whose Instagram will be in the description if you would like to reach out to them, follow them. Yes. Anything like that. And uh, they will be, of course, on later telling you a little bit about themselves, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. So, yeah, that is that. Let's do a few housekeeping things, I guess. Follow us on social media, please. Please. At TGL underscore pod. <laughs> um, <laughs> we also have a, uh, on, on Insta- Instagram and Twitter, and then at Greenlight Pod on Facebook. Yes, at Greenlight Pod oh, on Facebook. I got it. Nailed it. Uh, we also have a Patreon. Please subscribe. Yeah. Uh, it is in. It is linked in our description. Uh, we have some some things from... We have some bonus content content on there, there. which is pretty exciting. Uh, We are actually about to do our second road trip episode tomorrow. So if you really want to support us at the $10 level, you will get that content. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, Let me see. What else? We have another podcast. We do have another podcast. Apologies. Uh, Who is that? The Masked Singer, and we're probably going to change it to Masked Singer and Dancer podcast. Yes. Uh, Um, The Masked Singer uh, season is over, but the Masked Dancer season just began, and by the time you're hearing this, our first episode of that will be out. Talking about the Masked Dancer, talking about who we think everyone is, talking about how I absolutely called the first person who got out. And yes. So, that's that. Yeah. That's that on that, but let's get back to what's this on this What's this on the this? The green light. Yep. And so we'll get to the script. We'll get to our interview in a bit. But before oh, yeah. we do well, that. Well, but first, oh, we, let's say what we do that, real quick. Um, yeah, you point. might have already surmised this if you're new here. But Hopefully we read gathered. short plays and screenplays from new writers. Yes, we do. And we interview them. That we also do. So, yeah. Yes. Uh, but before we do that, before we jump in, we are going to do our detour segment. Beep, beep. So detour, uh, we talk about every week something that we have consumed. Oftentimes it's a TV show or movie, but sometimes it's a play, a book, a 10-year-old video game, even an album like Lauren did once a couple weeks ago. But today it's two movies, two new movies. Both featuring Pedro Pascal. Both featuring Pedro Pascal, As you may have noticed from our Spoilers Without Context post. Yes, true, if you follow us on social media. Uh, So yes, there were three... There were two big movies that were released in the past week. Three kind of big movies. Yeah. (laughs) And we chose the one kind of big movie and one of the big movies. Yeah. So I'd say we start with the kind of big movie. Okay. And then go into into the big one. Cool. So, We Can Be Heroes is a 2020 film written and directed by Robert Rodriguez, starring the aforementioned 
Pedro Pascal. And then we got a bunch of kids who uh, you probably won't recognize, but I'll name them anyways. Yaya Gosselin, Lion Daniels, Andy Walken, Hera Finley, Lotus Blossom, Dylan Henry Lau, Andrew Diaz. Uh, some of the adults you might recognize, Priyanka Chopra, Pedro Pascal, like I said. And uh, Taylor Dooley reprising her role as... Lava, Lava girl. girl. So, Unfortunately, no Taylor Lautner in this one. Yes. So but he's living his best life doing his own thing. So a quick description. This is a follow-up to uh, Shark Boy and Lava Girl that I guess, does it take place in the Spy Kids universe? Is that, or are those, se- are those just separate? I think they're separate. They're just separate? Okay. It definitely I, has Spy Kids vibes. Yeah, I just but... put them together in my mind then. So essentially, this is, uh, the plot of this, when alien invaders kidnaps Earth... <laughs> When alien invaders kidnap Earth's superheroes, their children must team up and learn to work together if they want to save their parents and the world. Lauren, what was your take on We Can Be Heroes? I mean, you might want to talk about this more. I didn't really like it very much, <laughs> to be completely honest. Um, neither um, did I. Uh, I. Well, no, I think maybe I would have enjoyed it more if I was a kid, but I think yeah, oh, we've totally, talked about this totally. before. I just didn't really love the kid actors, and I won't spoil the ending, but it made me furious. The ending, yeah, the ending's tough. Um, yeah, I, I also didn't really love this movie. Normally, we reserve things for our detour segment that we both enjoy. Yeah, or, we just or, or that figured we, enjoy. we should talk about this because it was a pretty big movie that just came out. Yeah, it it, it was something that came out. Um, obviously, its biggest downfall, or its first biggest downfall, was that it did not have Taylor Lautner in it. Of course. Uh, reprising his role as Sharkboy. The and granted, actor Sharkboy and Lava Girl just kind of, they were featured at best. Like, they yeah. were pretty small roles in this. Sharkboy did not say a single word. It was almost just word. like the same universe as opposed to a sequel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Sharkboy didn't speak a single line in this one. Now, let me let me. Maybe ask he this. would have if they could have gotten Taylor Lautner. Well, ex- I'm sure they would have. And I wonder he if... He might have had a musical number, too. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, was Pedro Pascal in Sharkboy and Lava Girl? I don't think so. Okay. Well, so essentially, a Pedro Pascal. Well, I Pascal... mean, Pedro Pascal was not, but I don't think the character was either. Okay. So essentially, Pe- Pedro Pascal is the leader of this group of heroes called the Heroics, and yet we 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 don't really get to know the Heroics that well. We more get to know their children because the Heroics, <laughs> this all-star team of fighting superheroes, get immediately captured by this invading alien species. Yes. Like, they don't even put up a fight. Yeah, not even close. So they get immediately captured. Uh, Pedro Pascal's daughter, who has no powers, fun fact, uh, she is then put in this sort of uh, classroom which a bu- with a bunch of the other heroes' children. It's basically sort of like a locked, classroom. like, it's almost like a, a stronghold, you know? It's yeah, like, exactly. It's basically, they put all the children in a safe. Yeah, yeah. And it, are like, stay here. Yeah, which is seemingly impenetrable, but spoiler alert, this isn't really a spoiler, it's not impenetrable, so they have to escape and then find out how to save their parents, yeah. as I mentioned. So, obviously, we get to see all of these children's powers, sort of how they deal with powers, how they deal with each other. And big surprise, the main girl's superpower is leadership. Yes, correct. So, not a real superpower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will say. Uh, however, I would say her power is on par. Well, okay. So uh, there, there are a, a couple powers in this that don't seem incredibly useful. There is one kid who ha- who is called Facemaker. Yes. Guess what he does? 
he makes faces. <laughs> However, well, it is useful for disguises is, because he can yes. make his face look exactly like someone else's face. Correct. And apparently that does include their hair. At the beginning yes. when we first see it, it does not. I, I think they sort of undersold his power. I think they undersell it with his name to begin with. Because well, Facemaker yeah, implies like, he can only change his face. <laughs> well, because a lot of what we see him do is just like making obnoxious faces. Like he stretches his mouth really wide. Exactly. He makes his eyes really yeah. big. But it really is useful as a disguise tool. No. And, and I think it, it they proves to be useful. I think they could have incorporated that more into the comedic elements by like, if he kind of mocked his friends, you know, and like yeah. put on their face and said, maybe, 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 yeah. you know, A- another, I think that could have been funny. Another uh, kid whose powers they could have definitely explored more was Wildcard. His whole thing yes. was he has, he possesses every superpower in existence however he can't control them so they come up at random times whenever he tries to use the superpower he doesn't know what he's going to get and they really only use that twice like three times yeah, yeah. It, it, like I he feel tried like to do it at the beginning there was a bit of a missed opportunity there yeah, yeah. um overall, I just feel like because at one point they're all stuck in a room and we were like I hope Wildcard just like just goes at it for two days until just, he gets something sees, that unlocks the door, yeah. you know? <laughs> I will also say, this is sort of a, a compressed timeline for this film. It's like six hours. Yeah. Like, the, the timeline of the film is like six hours. Yeah. So, uh, she... Um, the, the alien invasion essentially happens in the morning when uh, our, our main hero uh, or our main kid goes to school. Then she gets taken to this other school in the same day. Then sort of by the afternoon they escape and then they have like two to three hours to train before they go <laughs> to fight to these aliens. the mothership. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so It's a whole thing. Yeah. So this movie is not that great. However, you know, maybe if you are a kid or if you have kids, they might enjoy it. There are some fun moments. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> Overall, it's fine. I, I think there are fun moments, right? Yeah, I mean, don't <laughs> no, watch it's, this alone. It's fun. Yeah, watch it with friends. Maybe make yourself a couple drinks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and you might have a good time. Yeah, but, I think yeah. that like, I don't know if you if you don't really like Shark Boy and Lava Girl, you won't. Then like this. yeah, I I just think there's that, very little in this movie for you. <laughs> well, I I just think that you know the the one big advantage to this is oh it's another movie in that same universe. Yeah. So I feel like if you have a lot of nostalgia associated with Shark Boy and Lava Girl, uh-huh. you might like it a little better. Yeah, I thought it was interesting actually. Uh, I looked up Taylor Dooley, who originally played Lava Girl and who reprised mm-hmm. her role in this. Uh, she actually has not really acted. Yeah. Since then. Yeah. She, she was in like a couple things after that, but then this was her first role in like six she or seven years. She was just kind of like, sure, why not? I'll come back and be Lava Girl yeah, again. Yeah, probably. I mean, make a quick buck. I mean, once again, she is... The 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 adult heroes are very minor characters. Yeah. We cut back to them ever so often, but yeah. yeah. Uh, Pedro Pascal was good. He was yeah, great. He's always good. Yeah. Very uh, busy man right now. Very, very busy man right now. Lauren and I are <laughs> as working. As we'll talk about a yeah. bit later. <laughs> uh, Lauren, Lauren and I are working our way through The Mandalorian as well, uh, season two, which is which is fantastic so far. We've only watched the first three episodes, but we're yeah. really enjoying it. And uh, We Can Be Heroes is on Netflix. And he can be seen in our next film that we were about to talk about. Yes. Lauren, you want to take this one? Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> okay, so... I saw a lot of crap on Twitter about this movie. We're starting out here. (laughs) I had like multiple friends because I'm a huge Wonder Woman fan. Yeah. Multiple friends of mine texted me and were like, oh, I want to hear what your opinion is on this movie because I thought it was terrible. I didn't really like it. You know what? I liked it. 
Yeah. I don't care what you think. It was fun. It was campy. It was 80s. It's definitely a different kind of superhero movie than the first one. Yes. But I think that's good because the first one gave us great action sequences. It gave us a lot of her being introduced to the world, you know, and what yeah. that looks like in World War One, coming from an Amazonian paradise. Yeah, no, um, for sure. And I think we, we still saw a little bit of that wonder in Chris Pine's character coming oh. from, you know, World War One era to... Um, 1984. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just thought it was really fun. They called back uh, the invisible jet. They did. Linda Carter has a very a small cameo. Bit yes. of a spoiler. Yeah. Um, and I, I really enjoyed it. And I also just think the ending and the villains I thought were better than the first movie. Yeah, yeah. I'll go ahead and touch on that while we're while we're talking about this, or yeah. just touch on my thoughts of the movie as a whole. Go for it. Um, yeah, I, I was also seeing a bunch of discourse, especially on Twitter, of people who were uh, not as happy with this movie. Um, even even my father, who 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 our tastes overlap a lot on things a lot, did not really like this movie. Um, or or uh, he said I think it was a swing and a miss. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I don't really get the hate for this movie, to be honest. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was fun. I thought it was. It was. It, it doesn't blow you. Like it's not gonna be. It's not gonna blow one you One of my away. favorites. And granted, Lauren and I saw it after we had heard all of these negative feelings. Now, if we if we went into it with incredibly high hopes, thinking it was gonna be the best superhero movie ever, maybe I might have we been also would have had those feelings. But I do like. I feel like I knew going into this that because it was 80s, it was going to pay homage to, you know, like the Linda Carter series and all that kind of stuff. Like, I knew it was definitely going to be a little campier. And I feel like if you go into it with that expectation, you're going to like it. I think you have to look at it through that lens or otherwise it doesn't succeed. Because it doesn't quite feel like a modern superhero movie. Yeah. You know, but it feels like a really great 80s superhero movie with all the effects that we have now. Yeah, totally. Uh, I will say, I think there's... uh, a decent bit less action in this one than in the first Definitely, one. Definitely, yeah. I would say there are maybe three big action sequences, yeah. if that. Well, and even then, they're like, um, I, okay, this is a spoiler, so fast forward a few seconds if you don't want to hear it. Um, what are you about to say? Well, Wonder Woman like kind of loses some of her powers for oh, part yeah. of this movie, so some of the action sequences aren't quite, quite as like high energy and insane as yeah. the first movie. Yeah. Um, you know, especially like I always like to talk about the the no man's land to the fight in the village. Which is a great scene. Which is incredible in the first movie. Yeah. So there's nothing that matches that for sure. Yeah. But but you know, I just really love like the the design of this movie, the visuals. There's so much color in this. Yeah. Um I actually really liked Kristen Wig. I thought she I thought she did well. I think she was well cast for this type of villain. Yeah. The one who sort of starts off as like meek, awkward. awkward. Yeah. Yeah. And then sort of grows into. I will say. She was kind of Electro. It was kind of the Amazing (laughs) Spider-Man 2 arc. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I I will say we didn't get, um, we didn't get a whole lot of intimidating Kristen Wiig. Like, I feel like we got a lot of the middle part of her journey, where, like, the transition, and then we only very briefly got to see her being, like, full-on cheetah intimidation. Yeah. Uh, but I think she did well, even still. I agree. Like, I liked her character. I I, I was rooting for her, even though, obviously, she, she turned out... She was kind of a villain. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I do definitely see the similarities between Final Form Cheetah and... The Cats movie. Cat, yeah, I would say this is definitely better. But again, you see so little of her yeah. in that final form that I don't mind. Yeah, I was I was able to forgive it. Um, I thought the the message like at the end was a bit muddied. I don't know. 
for okay. for me when when uh when she was giving when uh Wonder Woman was giving the final speech uh and like sort of talking through uh I guess this is a bit of a spoiler also so fast forward if you haven't seen it um a bit of it where she's like giving the speech to everyone through right. Pedro Pascal um I, I it just just she was saying a lot and I was like okay I was just trying to trying to tie it back into her arc and to his arc Etc. Well, et okay. So I think the thing that tied in because we saw that thing at the beginning that was her as a kid in that competition, yes. and the the message of that was like, you know, you can't win through lies. Like nothing good is going to come through dishonesty. Sure. So I think that was the big message that she was trying to tie back into the end, and that truth, tied back into her art. Tru- truth above all. I hear yeah, that. Yeah, truth above all Which, with the oh, lasso. Uh, let's let's talk about that beginning. Not, maybe not like the strongest message ever. Yeah. But you know, it did tie back in. Let, let's talk about that beginning sequence because I thought it was really well done. I really enjoyed that yeah. competition sequence. I'm really glad we got to see at least a little bit of the mascara. I, <laughs> I don't, I, I understand the, the taking shortcuts. Like I, I understand that thought process and I understand, you know, like don't take the easy path whatever i think in in the context like and maybe it's because that was a strong recovery from a mistake that's what i agree she fell off the horse that shouldn't be it for you yeah you know she caught up to it it's fine like yeah that 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 was my thought on it i was a bit like i was i was definitely on Wonder Woman's side there i was like what are you talking about mom like and (laughs) granted like that wasn't her mom but yes. what are you talking about, woman? <laughs> Sorry, no, that sounds bad. No, but like I, I, we didn't know the whole rules of the competition. Obviously, yeah. I wasn't. I didn't know she couldn't do that. And so maybe if we would have known that, I would have because we like, were like, okay, oh, that's smart. Sense. Okay, yeah. Like I thought it was a good way to like recover from, like you said, recover from a mistake. And like because there's I, no other I, way she could have caught up if she had to just run after the horse. Yeah, exactly. You know? And I also understand the whole like not comparing yourself to other people, but at the same time you you kind of want to look back and see like like where everyone is in, in this in this specific instance of the like I, I get the overall message. I just don't know how well it was displayed in through that moment, sure. et cetera, et cetera. I also just thought it was, it was kind of weird scene, that like, oh, it's all very like kind of Roman architecture, stuff like that on the mascara. Sure. And then there's what looks like just a storm drain. Yes, that you know? <laughs> unclear. We we were like it might maybe something like, with this irrigation. Is for runoff? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> something anyway, it looked very modern. It was just like a little odd, but it was it was interesting, know. yeah. But I didn't mind it. I yeah, I thought the visuals as a whole, everything yeah. on the mascara is like gorgeous. Yeah. Um, uh, I thought Chris Pine was charming as F, man. Yeah. He was he again. was great. He, he like you said, him him discovering things was was one of the highlights of the movie for me, for yeah. sure. Ellie, there's like an, an 80s outfit montage where he's trying on different things and yeah. trying to get Wonder Woman's approval. Yeah, And yeah. Uh, one of our friends, Ellie, was like, you know, I could have just watched that for an hour and a half. Yeah, uh, Ellie, former guest on the show. Former, yeah, former Multi-guest. Multi, multi-writer guest. Writer. Yes, on the show. So shout out, Ellie. But um, there was something else I was going to say. Okay. Um... But uh, Pedro Pascal was good. He was great. Yeah, he was great. Um, he had a really nice moment with his son at the end. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so that was great. Almost made me tear up a little bit, to be honest. Yeah. Like, that one got me. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. M- maybe because we went in with such low expectations, that's why we we like this movie. Um, but I don't know. We have a lot of, like, <laughs> right now we I have... I have pretty high standards for movies. Yes. You know, I was thoroughly prepared to not like this. As do a lot of our housemates. Like, it, it's not just... Uh, like, most of our house was... 
was on board that yeah. this was well, a, even, a fun, you know, good movie. Even Jacob, who he like he would agree with me, he's kind of a film snob. Yes. He liked this one better than the first one. Yeah, well and, and like like Jacob not not even just like film snob, Jacob just watches a lot of movies. Well, and yeah, I mean like movies, you know, works for a production company, like he, yeah. he knows what he's talking about. So yeah, I mean I I don't I don't understand the hate. Oh, I, I remember what I was gonna say. Uh do you find fault with this movie for a bit of teasing us with a potential relationship with uh with Cheetah what, Oh I my her name. gosh. Yes, and her name's Barbara, Barbara uh, Minerva. Yeah, Barbara Barbara and Wonder Woman. Oh my goodness, she was so gay. Yeah. And they just didn't commit to it. Like that whole yeah. thing at the beginning like they were so awkward and even like when when uh Barbara was first kind of talking to Maxwell Lord like yeah. Diana was acting jealous and yeah. I was like what is this? Like yeah. It, it, it and I don't know. It just it just seemed like it was just right there, and they were just too scared to make that like official. Because then she like kind of hooks up with Maxwell Lord, and that's how he gets the stone and like yeah. all kinds of stuff like that. And but, so, so I guess it like part like of the I plot. get the I get it's like part of the plot thing, but I also feel like I don't know. I just feel like represent, representation is important, and it was right there. Yeah, it was right there. No, for sure. Anyway, for sure. I I think it could have added an interesting layer. I just yeah. I don't. I I wonder. Well, and it's like I don't necessarily like the idea of oh she didn't want to be with me, so now I'm gonna be cheetah and kill her. Yeah. But like I don't think that was ever. It was more about her wanting to keep these powers and keep this like, I don't know. Because she feels like she's only cool now because she wished to be like Diana. Yeah. So she doesn't want to lose that. I, I I wonder if that that was sort of the reasoning for it. Because if you make a a relationship a romantic relationship between the two of them, and then she gets this, and then she starts to resent her, you have to wonder. I mean, everyone would be thinking it's because she's just mad that she's not with her. And I wonder if they did that's just true. didn't want that to dominate fair. the narrative. But yeah. it was there. It was there. <laughs> it was it was there for sure. Um, Kristen Wiig, Gal Gadot, maybe in real life, IRL. Um, but other than that, yeah, Wonder Woman 84 on HBO Max. So if you have an HBO Max subscription, you yeah. can watch it for free from now until January 24th, I think. It'll be on there for free to watch. Uh, yeah. It's also in theaters. If you're like, in a place that you can go to a theater, don't. But please like, don't go to a theater. If for somehow you do. Just watch it on HBO Max. Can, yeah. Get some popcorn. You turn the lights down. I don't know. Get some surround sound speakers yeah. from Target or something. I mean, yeah. also, like, if you haven't done it, I'm sure you can do a free trial. If not, you could do it for a month for $15. And if you have, like, a family or something, then... You can just crank out a bunch of movies. A lot of old yeah. Arnold movies on there. Yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll be worth it. Yeah, yeah. Go, go back to your 80s roots <laughs> with those. Uh, but, yeah, overall, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Uh, so, yeah, uh, watch it. Uh, if you like it, thank us. If you don't, hate us. Uh, but still, you know, keep listening. Either way, discourse in the iTunes reviews. Discourse in the iTunes reviews, please. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think that's it for our detour segment. Coming up, Prelude to a Hostile Takeover by Alexander Perez. Boom. Green light. Green light. Uh, we are reading Prelude to a Hostile Takeover by Alexander Perez today, and we have a couple special guest actors joining us. So, uh, first, Janine, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, hello. Uh, my name is Janine Florence Um 
I use they, them pronouns. Uh, a little bit about me, I am a senior at Smith College, uh, senior theater major, so pretty active in the acting community. And I'm very excited to have my first, working with you guys for the first time. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited. Uh, I'm going to be playing Douglas. They're sweet, small, who just wants to, just wants to be friends. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and we are so glad to have you. So thank you so much for joining us. And we also have, uh, joining us again, she is back in the house, uh, Tori Jewell. Hi, good to be back. Excited to be here. Woo! Uh, And who are you reading for? Uh, Today I'll be reading for Olivia, who is an ambitious weasel with a pesky conscience. Yes. And uh, I am Lauren, as hopefully you know, uh, and I'm reading for Rochelle, who is the loyal right hand and a devious schemer. All right, let's jump right into it. A simple family living room. Olivia stands center stage decked out in a ladybug scout gear. Standard issue khakis, forest green button-up, red beret sash. Her sash is ornately decorated with a myriad of badges, flaunting her prowess and a variety of skills. Several large bags with camping gear are nearby. She addresses her mother, who cannot be seen but can be heard. Her responses are short bursts of jazz that vary in mood depending on context. Why aren't you ready yet? The bus leaves in an hour! Rochelle is going to be here soon. This sucks ass. I'm sorry for cussing. I'm anxious about the trip. We're electing a new troop leader, and if I'm going to win, I'm going to have to really bring my A-game. Mackenzie Devereaux. She's been troop leader the last three years in a row. Knock on the door. Olivia runs and answers the door. Rochelle, a fellow ladybug, steps inside with her bags. You ready? Yup. Speech notes? In my pocket. We've prepared for this for weeks. Devereaux won't know what hit her. Hi, Mrs. Crunch. I'm Liv's campaign manager. Any word from the other side of the fence? Paige says that Suzanne heard Lola and Mackenzie say they're not scared, but like in a way that suggests they actually are scared. Or at least in a way that suggests that they think they shouldn't be scared, but that they don't know what to expect, and that kind of scares them, but don't want to let it show. That doesn't sound like a very reliable source of information. It's three degrees of separation. That's about as good as we're going to get. Don't you have to get ready? Rochelle and I have a lot to talk about, and we need to focus on the campaign, which we can't do because you keep interrupting us, and I'm really nervous about getting to the bus on time, which we can't do until you finish your emails, so can you please, like, do your part and get ready so you can leave us alone and get us there on time? Her footsteps can be heard, and the girl's eyes follow her off stage. Jeez, that was a little harsh, don't you think? Maybe it was, but it was the only way she'd leave us alone. I don't know, you might have actually hurt her feelings. <laughs> you should hear the way she talks to me. You're a weasel, though. You deserve all the shit you get. That's not relevant. You should apologize. I'll apologize later. We're getting distracted. So, we've got Team Devereaux quaking in their boots. Check. Now, what about our public? The key is to convince them that we need change. A revolution! Right. Wanna try a test speech? To who? Just you? I don't see anyone else around. That's awkward! If you're afraid of awkwardness, you shouldn't be crying revolution. This will be way more uncomfortable than giving the speech to the troops. So if you do it this way first, the real thing will be way easier. You're a genius. What can I say? I'm kind of the best. Okay, so sit there and I'll get up on here. She climbs up on a chair too close to where Rochelle is sitting. 
Fellow ladybugs. Fellow ladybugs. You're going to need more than that. I know. God. Hold on. She braces herself. Fellow ladybugs. I think we're all in agreement that the last three years have been some of the most successful in troop history. Between the Bington Walkathon, the Cherry Harbor Bake Sale, and our trip to Disney California Adventure, we've all made memories that will stay with us for life. All of this was made possible thanks to Mackenzie Devereaux. Make sure you pause for applause. Right? They wait for the applause. We are all so grateful for Mackenzie's efforts and contributions. She truly shown us that Troop 147A has potential far beyond anyone's expectations, most of all our own. Nice. In keeping with that progressive spirit, I, Olivia Crunch, would like to humbly submit my name for consideration in tonight's election. Rochelle mimics the sound of shocked whispers and chatter. I know what you're thinking. Hey Liv, if things are so great, why should someone else be elected? I'll tell you why. Right now, the ideas we're working with are small potatoes. Walkathons are great, but they're not inventive. The bake sale let us get our hands dirty, but isn't that what people expect of us as ladybugs? Nay, as young women? I commend Mackenzie's efforts in getting the ball rolling, but now is time to really show them what we're made of. I want us in schools, pushing education initiatives. I want us picking up trash by the river. I want the ladybugs to make an impact in our community that doesn't amount to raising money for other people while looking cute. We must think bigger and become the change we want to see. And still look and cute. And look cute while doing it. No more shall we play second fiddle to the wolf scouts. This is a new chapter in Ladybug history. The chapter where we demolish everyone's expectations and reign supreme. Who will join me? How was that? That was good. It didn't feel like it. Maybe it'll feel more powerful with everyone else there. I don't think I have gravitas. You've got plenty. The last thing I want to do is look like a fool in front of everyone. What happened to the pit bull you were like two minutes ago? I am not a pit bull. I'm a Pomeranian. I knew this was going to happen. What's that supposed to mean? You build up these ambitions, then when it comes time to execute, you bitch out. I'm not bitching out. I'm considering bitching out. Are we going to have another Jody Spunkmeyer episode? How? Dare you mention that name in my house? She was going to pay for stealing your credit on our history project. You were going to... What did you say you were going to do? I was going to end her academic career in a violent display of righteous justice. And did that happen? No. Devereaux's just another Jody. I'm backing you because I believe in what you want to do, but first you've got to believe in yourself enough to convince the scouts to bump that... Basic know-it-all and elect someone who wants to do more than donate a couple hundred dollars every six months to charities who will wipe their asses with it. The plans you've got will make an immediate difference. Once people see what you're doing, they're going to want to do some good of their own. Our actions as a troop will ripple across the American heartland, inevitably resulting in a tsunami of public works the likes of which the world has never seen. Maybe you should run instead. I talk a good game, but you've got the big ideas. Feeling any better? I think so. Let's try that speech again. Okay. Let me check my snap real quick and we'll... Oh, shit. What? Rochelle shows Olivia the phone. She screeches. <gasps> Where did Mackenzie get this picture from? She must have gotten it from her mom! 
We used to go trick-or-treating together when she wasn't an acolyte of the Dark Lord. She tagged everyone in the troop live. I knew the competition would be fierce, but I didn't think she'd resort to muckraking. This is perfect. What do you mean, perfect? Now we know she's really scared. If she wasn't, she wouldn't have to dig up a picture of you in an egg-shaped dress. I was Humpty Dumptress. It was a cute idea. The Princess Cone Hat really puts it all together. It's called a henin. Whatever, nerd. This works in my favor, right? I don't know. It's a really dumb-looking outfit. Not the picture, the ethics. Nuh-uh. Since when do people elect someone based on their ethics? Since always? Your folks don't let you watch the news, do they? Well, I'm not going to stoop down to her level. If you want to win, you will. This isn't the kind of campaign I want to run. The people want a strong leader that can stand up to shit like this. That's what I was saying! No, you're talking about taking the high road, which will just make people think you're an elitist. What's elitist about not wanting to purposely shit on other people? Beats me, but that's the political climate we're living in, so it's either adapt or go the way of Ross Perot. So, what? We find a silly picture of her and share it on social media? That's so toothless. Exactly. We can't copycat and call it a day. We've got a one-upper. How do we manage to do that in less than an hour? Lucky for you, I prepared for this scenario. What did you do? I'd never do something without your approval. You had this whole plan B set up without my approval! Yeah, I set it up. I haven't done anything. That's fair. Rochelle makes a call. Douglas, it's time. Bring Horatio. She hangs up. A knock at the door, Liv answers. Douglas, a lanky, bespectacled ladybug scout, stands at the door with a small box in their hands and bags at their feet. Hey, Liv! Come in. Rochelle said your mom can give me a lift to the bus. I don't see why not. Okay, great. My dad doesn't want to drive me. Oh. I'm so sorry, dude. That really sucks. I'd rather go with you guys anyway. You're lucky your mom's so nice. She is nice. Isn't she, Liv? Yeah. Is that Horatio? Sure is. What's a Horatio? This centipede I found in my yard. And you kept it? I wanted to draw it. He's a weird looking thing. Wanna see? Probably best if Horatio doesn't leave his box until we need him. He'll stay in there, right? Yeah. The air holes I put in for him are too small for him to crawl through. Good. So, what exactly do we plan to do with the centipede? We take out Devereaux. That's insane! She sucks, sure, but I don't think it's worth killing her! We're not gonna kill her, doy. That would be a different kind of bug. So, Horatio isn't, like, poisonous? Nope. Totally harmless. If not, just a bit creepy. How then do we take her out with it? Think of it more as making sure she's not around for the election. Still sounds like murder. Anthropods like to get into tight spaces. Oh, maybe Horatio goes for a midnight stroll and finds himself in Mackenzie's tent, then subsequently in her ear. That's disgusting! You want to put it in her ear? Exactamundo. Won't it try and eat her brain or something? I don't want to hurt her. That's actually a myth. Bugs can get in your ears, but they're too big to do anything other than get stuck. So, when Miss Devereaux finds that Horatio has invaded her ear canal, she'll have to go get him removed. So, if she's off getting dewormed... Centipeded? (sighs) Whatever. If she's off doing that, she can't announce her candidacy. Holy shit, that's... evil. Pure evil! Thank you. That's not a good thing! So you're not gonna do it? Of course I'm not gonna do it. 
I don't want to win that way. I want to beat her in the marketplace of ideas. Well, according to the trending topics, the marketplace of ideas has christened you hashtag Humpty Dumb Bitch. She takes that in. All right, fuck it. Let's put the centipede in her ear. We're not gonna get in trouble for this, right? As long as we don't get caught setting it up, there's no way anyone will know. It's the woods. There's bugs. You really thought this all out. I'm in it to win it. We have to do something nice for Mackenzie after this is over. Why? Because we're literally making nightmares come true. Plus, it'll look good if I send her a sympathy card or some cookies or whatever. What about Horatio? Will we be able to get him back? Well, the plan is to get him stuck in her ear, so I don't think so, bub. Mind if I get one last sketch in before we part ways? Do your thing, Dougie. You're gonna be immortalized in my sketchbook. When people ask what that creepy bug is, I'll say, that's no bug. That was Horatio. And he's the reason the ladybugs are the top troop in the nation. History loves its unsung heroes. So we set? I was born ready. Mother's footsteps are heard again. Hello, Mrs. Crunch. Douglas's dad won't drive them to the bus. Can they ride with us? He'll come around someday. For now, let's have a fun weekend. Here, here! Head out to the car, guys. Mom and I will be out in a second. And be careful with Horatio! Don't worry about who Horatio is. We'll see you outside. Thanks again, Mrs. Crunch! They exit. I just wanted to talk to you alone for a second. I'm really, really sorry I yelled at you. You're doing something really nice for me and my friends that not all parents would do, and I should be more grateful. Thanks for letting me be who I am. I love you too. I'll meet you outside. I forgot something in my room. Mother's footsteps are heard as she exits. Once she's alone, Olivia gets back up on the chair. Fellow ladybugs, thank you from the bottom of my heart for electing me troop leader for the upcoming year. I promise nothing but wild success in our future. But before we begin celebrating, let's take a moment to send thoughts and prayers to Mackenzie as she gets that nasty ear infection taken care of and... Oh? What's that? It wasn't an infection? Oh, that's horrifying! Well, I guess that's nature for ya. End of play. everybody welcome back to the green light podcast thank you lauren we are here today with our writer of the week alexander perez how are you doing alex i'm doing great guys thanks for having me on yeah absolutely yeah so we always like to ask our writers this um at least for the past couple months yeah we've gotten into the where are you calling from today sure i'm in harlem uh in uh new york new york very for a nice. second, I thought you said Holland, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh no!" <laughs> you said, "You said whoa!" <laughs> but that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, we... this, this phone call is costing you guys a bundle. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> what were you gonna say, Lauren? Oh, and no, I was gonna say, um, it's nice to have another New Yorker on the show. So that's yeah, awesome. yeah, it's been a it's been a few weeks. We had a yeah. streak where we had like four weeks in a row where everyone was a New Yorker, yeah. and then and then we've gotten away from that. So yeah, it's nice. Uh, so yeah, let's jump into our other typical question for the podcast. Uh, give us your writer origin story. How did you get started writing? 
Sure. Um, well, I started, um, you know, I, I started my uh, theater, you know, journey mostly as an actor. Uh, my mom did uh, theater in some TV and film when she was younger, and I got into it because uh, she'd take us to the, to the theater a whole bunch. She uh, had like a season pass thing at the local rep, so we'd go to, you know, a couple shows a year, uh, which was always a lot of fun. So I, I mostly wanted to do acting. Uh, then I sort of got into uh, sort of writer, director, people, you know, like the Coen brothers and Kevin Smith and mm -hmm. people like that. And I thought I wanted to be a filmmaker, but then all I did was write movies where people would just talk. And the <laughs> teacher told me, like, something has to happen. I'm like, but it is happening. Look at them. Listen to them. <laughs> they're talking. What else do you want? <laughs> yeah, they're talking. They're growing. They're, you know, what, what, like, yeah, that's, that's what's happening. This is compelling, right? No, no. Uh, not in a visual medium. So I uh, I started uh, you know in 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 acting school I went to uh, AMDA up here in uh, in New York and I took a writing elective and just started you know just writing stuff on the side. Um, it wasn't until after graduation I was working at a place up here uh, called Pearl Studios. Uh, they do oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know like auditions and EPAs and stuff like that. Um, so I was working the front desk there and as I was auditioning for things here and there you know I, I went on a tour for. Uh, for a couple months, and I, I had some success acting, but mostly it was just sitting at Pro Studios watching these really old guys come in for like EPA after EPA for all these different seasons, and it just got sort of depressing, kind of like mm. a ghost of Christmas yet to come kind of situation. <laughs> I'm like, is that is is that me? Yeah, these, you know, these old dudes just shuffling in with their just broken and beaten songbooks singing the same 16 bars that they've been singing for the last 25 years. And it's like, for what? To get paid like 250 bucks a week to be in the ensemble for Drowsy Chaperone in Arkansas? Like, I don't know if that's a... Oof. I don't know if that's the future. <laughs> uh, you, you have a lot of time to spiral out when you're working at the desk. Right? I'm um, sure, so yeah. I, yeah, so I... Uh, I started writing, I, I wrote like a play and uh, I got broken up with, so I wrote a play, which is what you do. Um, <laughs> and, then that, and then that play went up um, and I, I self-produced that and I self-produced a couple other, you know, small readings and productions for myself. Um, that was 2015, 2016. Then, um, my, uh, my partner and I got pregnant. So writing kind of took a, a back burner for a couple years while, you know, my son was born and we were just trying to get all that, uh, awesome. going. So I got back into it at the top of 2019 and had about, three or four productions here in the city by people who aren't me. So that was pretty cool. Um, and did other, like a couple other podcasts. And uh, last summer we won a couple short uh, play festivals here in the city, which is really, which is, which is really great. And then uh, we, we had some stuff lined up for this year and then, in the, and then this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. That, so that pretty much brings us up to now. It was a, a slow start, then a total stop. And then we kind of, then I kind of launched back, with a vengeance and then everything stopped again. Yeah. Yeah, well, absolutely. I actually have a Pearl Studios question for you. Oh, whoa. So oh, I know it I know it was a couple years ago, but what is your theory on the Pearl Studios poop incident? Was it <laughs> was it a service dog? Was it a person auditioning? I wasn't I luckily wasn't there anymore. Yeah. Um, although my 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 buddy Zach who I hired uh, well who who I um, you know, I, I got him a job there. He wound up being uh, ascending like 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 a shift manager status so he was he was the the lucky soul that got to that, that got to oh my god <laughs> it's uh apparently it was it was it was blown out of proportion from what i understand uh, it was it was just a little bit of poop 
Still, any amount of poop, though. Yeah, I would say any amount of poop is a bit of a surprise. When you're on a non-union list and you're waiting for the monitor to call your name, I I can understand, you know, maybe holding (laughs) it to the last minute. Uh, You know, I it's not the it's not the strangest thing that's ever happened there. Um, Wow. A lot of once once four o'clock passes and most of the calls end, um, all the studios switch over from like rehearsals and auditions over to like dance classes and like workout classes. Mm -hmm. So just you know, lots of people getting off their nine to five who want to go salsa dancing or take a class here here or like do karate or. uh, oh, uh, Krav Maga, we had a couple of Krav Maga classes. So oh, it was just cool. a lot of like just regular non-theater people going in and out. And sometimes they would bring alcohol into the studios and things would get out of hand. Oh, wow. um, so nothing horrible, but certainly, you know, you're trying to kick somebody out of. It's it's interesting when your product is time and space. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's hard to like keep, keep people from stealing it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, and it's also hard to enforce it because, you know, I'm getting paid 12 bucks an hour. I I don't care. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I only I only really care when it's the end of the night and you're keeping me from going home. <laughs> yeah. For sure, for sure. Exactly. Uh, I did I, I for for all the for all, you know, the, the struggles of working the front desk at Pearl, I did write my first three plays at the desk there. Uh and their the, the management does does what they can in terms of you know, letting people get off for auditions and stuff like that because there's almost exclusively other actors. Right, artist types that are working there, so I don't. I certainly don't envy them having to schedule a bunch of people whose schedules don't exist. Yeah, um, I can't imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say alcohol and Krav Maga probably shouldn't mix. Maybe. In, <laughs> yeah, right? in, in my professional opinion. Um, okay, yeah, so you know, I think that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. So, question, real quick: the poop incident. Okay. Did someone just poop on the floor? Well, yeah, it was just that. Um, yeah, the front the front desk person at Pearl Studios just like found poop on the floor. Ah, that good. Was, yeah, it was a couple of years ago, but um, yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, um, who isn't on theater Twitter, um, <laughs> theater <laughs> yeah, Twitter. that's that's what that was. Very so, niche. Anyway, uh, jumping into the script. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so starting off with the character descriptions. So this script is about characters that are all in their young teens, 12 or 13 years old, but are meant to be played by people in their early 20s. So what was your purpose for this and what do you hope it adds to the story? Uh, well, the a lot of my creative decisions are really mostly pragmatic, uh, in that it's hard to find children who can act. Yeah. Um, or you at least you have to put a lot of resources into like you know holding calls and meeting parents and stuff like that. Then on yeah. top of that, you have to get kids to curse, which you know is is funny um, <laughs> when it's not your fault, like like with my son. Yeah. Um, but it's just. I, I need to produce this. Like, if when I write most of my work, I think, how am I going to do this by myself? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so, getting other people in the age range that like, I have access to and that don't mind cursing, and it's just kind of. Uh, I also was um, sort of retroactively inspired by Pen Fifteen. Oh, okay, sure. Because uh, I, I started writing it, and then like I. I learned about the show and I was like, okay, good, good. There's this precedent for this. This isn't just like, this isn't weird. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah um, I, mean, I also kind of feel like too, you know, if you see a production of um, like <laughs> Spelling Bee or You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, like a lot of those productions are, are kids being played by people in their 20s or, you know, yeah. young adults or even just in the case of like Kristen Chenoweth, just short adults. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Know? Yeah. They're just, just people who are just perma young. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also there is something kind of, um, you know, especially when you have 
a kid, you see a lot of weird toddler behaviors um, replicated by, you know, fully grown adults at in your workplace. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily like your coworkers, but mostly like I'm talking about customers. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I worked, I worked at the uh, Ace Hotel for a couple of years and that was, uh, I certainly had my experience of getting yelled at by, by, you know, by people who were really upset by things that people shouldn't get upset by. But, you know, yeah. at that point you're just <laughs> dealing with, you're dealing with the, the, you're just dealing with their brainstem and not, and not a whole person. So all they really know is how to react. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's kind of a neat opportunity for people to, age themselves down a bit and uh, get more to that guttural, visceral, emotional reaction that you have to things that you have to things when you're that age, especially at that sort of um, paradigm shift between 12 and 13, when you're like, Oh, I've got these opinions are just flowing out of me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I see things on TV and I'm going to try to make them in real life. Um, For sure. Which they, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it's it, it caught my eye, too, because, you know, obviously, I love your point about how, you know, these these behavior behaviors from children are replicated in adults. But also, I looked at that as someone, you know, Lauren and I, I guess, recently graduating from college in the past couple of years and being like, hmm, this is something that would be so easy to produce, like in college or like with group of people that are like us right now, yeah. which well, is I mean, like even helpful. Just trying to do it on the podcast. It's like, oh, yeah. good. If, if we're supposed to be early 20s playing kids, that's that's perfect. That's exactly what <laughs> so. we do sometimes anyways. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I just appreciated that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, the, the mom in this, her voice is sort of just like an amalgamation of sounds, like a trope we've seen in works like, as we mentioned, Charlie Brown. Uh, but these sounds are specific because they're like jazz notes. So talk about your decision to do this and, uh, why you chose jazz notes specifically. Sure. Um, it, it was definitely, you know, an homage to the, to the womp, womp, womp parents mm-hmm. talking of charlie brown um you know there's a pragmatic choice i don't have to cast a mom of course True. i can just uh <laughs> but uh the reason why uh, jazz is um you know the, it's to me aside from maybe electronic music if only because i don't understand it too much probably the the the, the, the genre with the most um potential in terms of experimentation and improvisation and mm-hmm. uh it can express there's jazz that can put you to sleep there's jazz that can give you nightmares <laughs> there's jazz that if you you know i remember i was i was uh, 17 18 and um a good buddy of mine uh, and i were you know just going through these you know obscure records that you know, pretentious teenagers do uh, and there was one called um the shape of jazz to come by ornette coleman which is like one of the early uh sort of free jazz sort of proto things and I, I listened to it and I was like this is the worst thing I've ever heard in my life <laughs> you, it, it sounds like, it's like listening to like an out of tune panic attack but then yeah. you kind of force yourself to listen to it and you're like oh wait a minute I see what they're doing this is this is just like despair sound this, yeah. is, you know, mm-hmm. this is you know going down a K-hole but like in the 50s so <laughs> you know it's um you can express a lot with jazz. Uh, yeah, totally. That because it is such a general term, depending on who produces it, you're going to get a different mom every time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, because everyone's definition of jazz is so different. Because you might get somebody who's just on KG just to be funny. Yeah. If you get somebody who wants to, you know, like tap into some of the darker stuff, um, like you know, like Sun or Charlie's or something. Like that. Um, so yeah, it's uh, I, I like to leave a lot of space for play. Uh, in my just, I, I when you read older stuff like O'Neill or, or Bernard Shaw, 
there's just like pages or just big paragraphs of uh, stage direction or action because they're like, I, this person needs to walk here and they need to do this. And every now and again, I'll flip that in there. But I like, I like to think that my job as a playwright is done when I hand it over to like a theater group or just yeah. anybody who's not me that's producing it. Mm-hmm. And that's where their artistry gets to come in. And that's, that's their chance to elevate my piece, or at least that's the idea. Thankfully, I haven't had any bad directors yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> they get to make their choices for the good or bad of the piece, I guess, at go. that point. Yeah. Yeah, I, I read an uh, uh, interview with David Lindsay a Bear where he was talking about how he stopped going to productions of Rabbit Hole because once he saw like a futuristic, like in space production, and he just he just couldn't take it. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> kind of but you know, I, who knows? I, I maybe maybe someone can make that work. So I say I say go for it. You know. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Of- I think that's a refreshing perspective. I really like that. Yeah. So this election they're campaigning for is for their next troop leader, similar to like Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, that kind of stuff. So from the feel of it, it it mirrors an actual political campaign. And I mean, they even talk about, uh, the kids talk about, oh, well, I saw this politician do this on TV. So, you know, it's normal for us to sabotage them and stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So talk about your decision to make this a Girl Scout conflict or a a scout troop conflict Mm -hmm. instead of within actual politics. Sure. Um, well, the, the the play started from the title, uh, from a Facebook comment, actually. A buddy of mine was interviewing for a job at HBO, and in the discussion thread, he he the, he, he used the phrase uh, "prelude to a hostile takeover," <laughs> uh, and I was like, I, I I need to I need to take that. Can I take it? And he gave yeah. me my blessing. So shout out so shout out to Austin Price for for giving me the excellent title to work from. So I started thinking like, what's now? What's the best? That, now, if I see that title, it's you know. Where where's the what's the what's the way that I can use it that would be least expected and I, uh, and I definitely wanted it to be like you know like a takeover like a, like a power struggle um, yeah what would be kind of a funny power struggle and then I think I you know I wish I knew I I, I must have seen something with Girl Scouts or Dutton Girl Scout cookies uh, <laughs> at the office or something because because something or I must have just seen somebody selling something like oh that's that's kind of a funny idea. You know these, um, oh, and a little bit of Moonrise Kingdom too, sure. uh, the Wes Anderson movie. Yeah. You know, just very, very high stakes. You know, because to these kids, this is this is their life. You know, Lady yeah. Scouts. That's uh, that's everything to them. Um, but then to this, I, I wrote it last summer, twenty nineteen, so like May June. So we weren't really in the full swing of the election yet. But you know, mm. we've all been thinking about this election since the last election. Yeah, because, exactly. <laughs> you know, and um. And then I did hear on, uh, and then I saw on Reddit a video of a uh, of a centipede being uh, exhumed out of a person's ear. I thought that was one of the most disgusting, horrible, oh, horrible God. things I've ever seen. And you know, one one thing leads to another, and then here we are. Now we're yeah. talking about it. Now, yeah, now it's a full script. Yeah, uh, I guess that sort of leads into our next question. Well, uh, talking a little bit about Douglas, the provider of the centipede. Yes. Uh, centipede, excuse me. So Douglas is a bit of a minor character, but they play a big role in the script by obviously providing Horatio, the ammunition of sorts. So just talk a little bit about Douglas as a character, why you included them, and like sort of what their real-life counterpart is in like a political campaign. <laughs> sure. Um, I'd like to think of uh, Douglas's as, you know, all the, all, the, all, all those people who, you know, wanted to phone bang for Bernie and mm. just doing our, doing our part uh, to... To move the political machine forward as you know as much as we can without a whole bunch of money behind us yeah. anyway sure you know um 
this was actually um, the show was supposed to uh, this show was supposed to go up this past April uh, before before the festival is going to be a part of closed down. But the director of that piece, Andy Lerner, um, actually kind of broke a little bit of ground for Douglas for me, which is always which is always great when somebody finds something in your play that you didn't know that you put in there. Um, but Douglas is sort of, I mean, even just within the friend group, you know, this is somebody who has a difficult time, um, finding, you know, when you're a teenager, you have a difficult time planting both feet on the ground socially, just in anything, um, adding a non-binary identity on on top of it, along with, um, joining an organization that has certain, I guess, expectations of what the person's supposed to look like. I'd like to think of Olivia and Rochelle as sort of the party of the people and that they've taken in this new recruit, even though he's, you know, a good foot taller than both of them, yeah. uh, at least in the way that it was cast uh, the, the, the last time we were doing it. Um, so for, for Douglas, this is just, he's, he, he, uh, they're, they're bringing their contribution to the big machine. You, know, you want to call a bunch of people and get them to vote the way that you want them to vote or talk to them about why they're voting the way they're voting, you know, maybe get them to consider that for the first time. Um, but there's also a uh, kind of a, uh, uh, kind of a sweet innocence to Douglas's introduction of, mm-hmm. of ratio. You know, he didn't, he wasn't looking for, you know, a, a political weapon or anything to, <laughs> to, you know, to use. He, they, they, they were just side looking on the ground and they saw a centipede and they're like, that, that's a, that's a, that's a terrible looking thing. That's yeah, right. That's my new best friend. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, they, they show it to, you know, the, 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 evil mastermind that is Rochelle and all the, all the, all the pieces come together. So there's a part of it that it's just, I'm just happy to be invited along. Uh, there's a part of it of, I feel like this is going to move things in, in, in a direction of like that, that I kind of want to be a part of this yeah. might be more, it, it, this might open the window to, you know, more Douglases to join mm-hmm. um, and so on and so forth. That's Absolutely. Really interesting. That's really interesting that you say that because like, Obviously, Douglas is a lot more innocent than like social media, but I actually, in a way, saw Douglas as um, social media's role in an election where hmm. they're not necessarily intentionally supplying like the big guns, you know, <laughs> and the thing that's going to really sabotage a candidate, but that is also kind of what it is. That's interesting. You yeah. Know? But at the same yeah, time, that's... it's like I feel like Facebook is a little bit of a, a malicious entity at this yeah. point, and Douglas <laughs> well, is definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> Well, for sure. Well, especially when, you know, they have the power to control the content that they're, that's being, you know, put on their platform. Yeah. Um, as, you know, as, as much as I agree with, you know, you got to ban hate speech, you got to ban things that are not true, you know, yeah. or yeah. you got to put a little mark, you got to put a little marker on them. I, I, uh, I, I, I can't understand that that is a task and how you have to balance uh, at least within, you know, not, not I, ideologically, you know, I, I almost cursed. I stopped myself, but you know, <laughs> screw them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like take the thing down. It's not true. You're right. But exactly. if, you're, if, if, if you're, if you're, you know, already waist deep in the game, like, like, you know, Facebook is, you're going to have to tread lightly. And I feel that, I mean, I don't, I don't know if any of these large tech companies have really done anything good, but I, if anybody did anything better, I'd say Twitter was certainly more aggressive, at least about putting, um, you know, at least putting those markers up. Uh, For sure. Facebook is kind of weird because you'll see somebody like go off on like a horrible tirade and report it, and they're like, "We know people say crappy things, but that's why." Can't life. do anything about it. Yeah, Sorry. Exactly. Yeah. 
But no, then yeah. by the same token, they're like, you said men suck. You banned for 30 days. You've been yeah. sucked. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I definitely noticed um, maybe a month or two before the election, um, it started, Twitter started doing a thing where whenever you tried to retweet an article without reading it, it would be like, whoa, don't you want to read that first? You know? Yeah. Which, which I thought which was I think interesting. Which is good. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's super interesting. I mean, I very rarely use uh, uh, Twitter, not for any specific purpose other than I just, I never fell into it. I've had one for a while. I'll occasionally go on and like retweet things that are going to potentially give me free money. Um, <laughs> true, true. But, uh, but that, but see, or like when, you know, for just specific things like that. But uh, I, I like that they had that. I actually hadn't heard of that at all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I really imagine cool. most people said, nah, when presented with the opposite. Yeah, exactly. Like, I do feel I'm like, though, good. it just, like, it made me feel guilty enough about, you know, even if it wasn't anything controversial and I felt like I kind of got the gist from the headline, yeah. it made me feel guilty enough that I would either just not retweet it or yeah. read it. Even if know? it was just, like, 10 of the cutest bunnies you've ever seen. Yeah. And then it was like, ah, might as well read it. Who knows if they are the cutest bunnies I've ever seen. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no, I mean, it was usually with things like CNN and stuff like that. But, yeah. but anyway, um, so at the beginning of the script, Olivia is very curt with her mother. But she has this really nice moment at the end where she apologizes and thanks her for what she has done. So what causes this change of heart? It's, um, I think she has a moment of gratitude, you know, mm-hmm. especially when you're that age, you're, um, it's sort of hard to see the forest for the trees, especially in regards to like what your parents, uh, provide for you if they were the kind of parents provided mm-hmm. Um, so you, especially, you know, I, uh, an ambitious youth such as who's probably got her blinders on about the election, hasn't thought about anything else in the last, you know, two or three months or however long it's it's been since they've, uh, since she, you know, learned that she was going to have a shot at, uh, at at taking the throne, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's hard to, it, 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 it's, it's hard when you're that young and when you're in that mindset to be like, wow, the only reason I can make the Lady Bug Scout election the center of my life is because literally everything else is being taken care of for me. Yeah. Uh, that I have the luxury to be concerned about such such trifling things. Um, and I think there's certainly an element of like her friend calls her out on it, and that's you know that when, even when the, when the kid when the other kid in the room is also uh, is is calling you out on like you know maybe the adult isn't being you know just like needlessly oppressive right now. Yeah. And you should yeah. be nice to them because they're doing all this nice stuff for us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've certainly had, I mean, even, you know, like I'm almost 29 now and I still have moments like that sure. <laughs> with my mom, you know, especially just, uh, um, when, when, when you, when you cry, when you, when, when you become a parent yourself <laughs> uh, and you sort of see all the, it's a uh, parenting is a karmic experience, which is why I think a lot of parents get upset when their kids decide they don't want to have kids. Cause then like, they're not going to get their due because <laughs> yeah. right now I have a smaller version of me who's doing all the stuff to me that I used to do to my mom. Or yeah. to, that is exhausting me in the same way. Very imaginative, very, you know, which is great. So it's hard to be like I'm trapped with a tiny, you know, free food in my house. Yeah. But, but at the same token, I have to be like, you know what? I'm happy he's healthy enough to make my life a little more difficult. That's true. Yeah. You know, I'm happy that he's curious and, and, and happy enough to, you know, want to make me run, run back and down the hallway with T-Rex. Yeah, absolutely. Times, you know, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, so I feel like. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, no. I was just saying. You know, it's hard to it's hard to white knuckle yourself out of those uh, out of out of those mindsets, especially when it's just so easy and very satisfying to be pissed off about everything. Yeah. Sure. Um, pulling the pulling the, the the steering wheel in the other direction can uh, is 
it, it was an exercise, and you know maybe that's um, for teenagers a moment where the audience has to um, suspend their disbelief, as maybe not all twelve, thirteen year olds have that kind of insight and would continue to be, you know the f you mom yeah. until they're in their twenties and they're like, oh man. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Let's, let's go to dinner. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, I sort of, uh, I thought it was really interesting that immediately following this moment in the script, uh, Olivia has this part where she practices her victory speech, implying that she's still fully going forward with like sabotaging McKinsey and assuming troop leader. So I just love, uh, talk about your decision to end with this moment and also talk about it as sort of a contrast to the previous very sweet moment. <laughs> sure. Um, I mean, you know, I- Kids, and I'm going to say kids even for teenagers, you know, they're all like the the, the, the truest depiction of children in media are those are the Sour Patch Kids, mm-hmm. you know. Sometimes they're sweet, sometimes they're sour, uh, sometimes they're a little bit of both. Yeah. So what are the, the, it's, Olivia wants to win. That's mm-hmm. what she wants. And she doesn't think Mackenzie's done a good job. She thinks she's pigeonholing them in these, like, gender roles of being, you know, just like, you know, g- girls who look cute and bake brownies for people yeah uh, and you know which is part of her platform she wants to get more engaged she wants you know to exceed everyone's expectations of what they can be so it's not so much that i don't think she has an issue with cheating but how is she going to justify what's going to happen yeah you know so yeah. before and you know there, and i'm not entirely convinced that her apologizing to her mom isn't some sort of weird way to cover her own ass you know i yeah. I've certainly oh, yeah it's like she's trying to like, preemptively I'm, reconcile I'm, for her crimes yeah <laughs> exactly because she's like i'm about to do this other thing that's gonna be bad um <laughs> i'm i'm maybe she's maybe it's not like as, as elaborate a thought process but she's trying to kind of zero out the balance on her karma yeah totally. you know um let's let's at least leave this okay but at least like yeah you know if, if she believes in a god like you see i apologize to my mom now I'm going to go stick this bug in this girl's ear. Yeah. She's going to be fine. So it's not like she's going to die. All right. How do I sell this? How do I, how do they, how do they know I'm not involved with this? Okay. Yeah. You play dumb. You know, so this is her main issue is like justifying it. Yeah. You know? Totally. Um, totally. You know, I want to win, but then like what happens to her? you be okay. Okay. Right. She's going to be okay. So what do I say to them? And um, she was, re- she was rehearsing the speech just to begin with. So this is sort of like a new, a new variable that gets thrown into her performance. So yeah. to speak, you know, so when she, so she wants to be prepared for when she wins, what she's going to say, so she doesn't have to come up with it on the spot. Right. Totally. Face the backlash. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So final script question, uh, and then we'll just do a couple quick personal questions, and that's it. So throughout this script, we see Olivia running for troop leader, but Rochelle seems to be the driving force behind the campaign. So how long do you think it's going to take for Rochelle to get tired of playing second fiddle and try to overtake Olivia at the top of the troop? Uh, I don't know if, I feel like, uh, Rochelle is a little bit of like a Steve Bannon sort of character. Mm. I think she's smart enough to not want to be the troop leader, but she knows that she can have just as, if not more influence being the person whispering true. in That's her true. ear or at least running everything. She yeah. knows, she knows Olivia wouldn't be able to do this on her own. A. So there's the thing of like, I want to help my friend, sure. but there's also, I have my own stuff I want to get done. Oh yeah. Uh, and this is the best means to do it because I know that I'm with someone who has the, you know, I maybe don't have the charisma or the popularity or the ability or even the desire to engage with the public, but she does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And not necessarily that like, Michelle, you know, applying her to to her will, but she's, I think she's very happy and satisfied with she can do sort of that line in the, uh, 
from uh, Big Fat Greek Wedding, I think it is, where it's like, you know, the father might be the head of the family, but the mother's the neck, and the neck can turn the head any way it wants. Mm. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, that's yeah, great. I feel like I, I also, you know, maybe she wouldn't try to overtake Olivia, but if something went wrong, she might throw her under the bus. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a sort of like a mini house of cards. So yeah. uh, who knows how deep these, and they are teenagers, you know, so how, how deep do these, uh, do these loyalties run? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know, I think if they I think made it's lanyards together in second grade. Doesn't mean. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so yeah, like Lauren said, that was our last script question, and so now we're going to move on to some questions about you. So, Alex, uh, I have done in the past. I have looked up, tried to look up people on social media, and I hope I found the right you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, assuming that I did find your proper Instagram, I see that you are you obviously a playwright, but also are creative in other ways, like making comics and uh, making music. Is that true? That is true. Yeah, that's me. Yay! Yes, sweet. Okay. <laughs> so, my first question having to do with that is, like, how many creative mediums do you, like, actively par- find yourself participating in, and what do you find unique and, like, special about each one? Sure. Um, I've, I've drawn since I was little. Um, I'm just... As far as music and like the drawing and stuff like that, I'm just not. I'm I'm not very good. So <laughs> it's uh, something I like doing just as a hobby. Yeah, I with both of them, I can elevate. I can at least supplement my lack of innate, you know, aptitude for drawing or playing guitar or piano or what have you with good lyrics or with a story that's funny enough. You know, there's comics like you know, like XKCD. Um, uh, Night and Happiness, Akewood, you know, just things that are, that they don't look great. They're you know, like they're stick, stick figures, figures yeah. that it's very, very rudimentary things, but the text is funny enough and is elevated enough that it's sort of given a pass and in fact becomes part of the charm. Uh, so sort of to that end, uh, music wise, you know, there's, um, you know, I'm not a super great guitar player, um, but I can sing. Singing is something I can do. So mm-hmm. I just, uh, so, uh, you know, people like, uh, Leonard Cohen or uh, Dave Berman from uh, Silver Jews. Mm-hmm. Um, just the songs that aren't, you know, you're not going to go past a lot of open chords just yeah. on the top of the neck. Mm-hmm. But you can you can mix those around enough to sort of make things interesting. And also, uh, my best friend, the capo, which makes much more interesting <laughs> yes. sounds than I can ever hope. Yeah, so you, you can just stick with like four, four chords five. and stick with it. Yeah, exactly. And now all of a sudden you're Nick Drake, and you're like, hey, I can. <laughs> I can I can make something happen here. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I mean the music I never I recorded strictly for myself until a couple of weeks ago. I put out the thing on Bandcamp called uh, Wabi Sabi, which is like a, a Japanese aesthetic philosophy where it's like it's 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 beautiful because of because it's broken or like the imperfections make the make it perfect sort of thing. It's just a lot of iPhone recordings that I've done from 2014 to now with different people different times in my life uh sometimes you hear me drop my phone sometimes you hear me tap it a little too hard because mm-hmm. i'm trying to scroll through lyrics i wrote three minutes before i don't know how to play anything that's <laughs> on that album anymore really because uh, i forget it as soon as i write it i record it and then it's gone uh, then it's usually the process is usually about an hour and a half yeah um it's all right you're just raw and I, it's when i have writer's block it kind of helps to let off steam in those different ways but i could potentially go you know, five or six months without picking up my guitar 
or drawing because I've been writing, but then I run out of writing, so I just want to play, play guitar until I come up with an idea for something else. And, uh, it's the only real, uh, outside of going outside and walking, which is my preferred way of like getting like creative juices, mm-hmm. uh, which we can't do as much, so much right now. Right. Jumping around, and um, I've also tried to uh, start giving back more, you hmm. know, like I've asked so many people over the years, like, hey, listen to this tune I wrote, or read, look at this funny picture I drew, or read this card. Um, I, I'm trying to put a mind more now supporting people that I know and friends of mine that I think are doing good and cool work. Yeah. Uh, and advocating for them on social media, uh, just being vocal, because there's a lot of times when, like, even, you know, we'll have a play that's commissioned or that gets picked up by a theater. And yeah. then, you know, maybe one of, you know, four or five actors will post anything on social media. The theater will post about it once or twice. You know, I, I quickly learned that, like, if I'm not doing the legwork, nobody else is right. uh, going to do this for me. And then, you know, you get 20 people at the show, and you and you love those 20 people, and you're stoked. You're stoked that 20 people would deign to go out and look at the thing that you did for an hour, hour and a half. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to, like, getting home and watching TV, or staying home and watching TV. Um, so I'm now just trying to point eyes in the direct, like, you know, there's a buddy of mine who locked himself in his parents' basement in the Pennsylvania hinterlands and stopped animated, stop motion animated an entire season of a show that he wrote. Wow. Which took eight, 70, 80 hour weeks. Nobody's paying him. He's just bored and he has nothing to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, that's a lot of work and it's like, I'm not going to sit here and like, well, that gets 70 views on YouTube. Hell no. You know, <laughs> you got to get people to watch this even if they you know if it ends up not being your thing they're gonna watch it you know and there's buddies of mine out in la uh which is i think where you guys are yeah 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 we are we are out in la yeah yeah, yeah. so you know they got so they have friends with fancy film equipment and they their, their band shot a concert film and it's like all right let's get people to watch this because there's there's good work there's still reasons to be creative we haven't lost yet yeah, um, yeah for sure absolutely sort of hoping that setting the example and paying it forward and also you can only promote your stuff on your own platform so much before it's like this guy's really into himself <laughs> so just, just just to give just to give people a little break from me especially uh, yeah. uh these days where there's i I've, i don't really produce so much if at all uh if i'm lucky for sure um like you know, this is this is a, a wonderful and, and, and uh, unexpected surprise. So I'm uh, super. If I haven't mentioned it yet, super grateful that you guys uh, reached back out and you like to play enough to you know chat, uh, you know read it and chat with me about it. Oh yeah, oh, we were really excited you. about this play. Yeah, and, I mean, we both really enjoyed it. We're so glad it. that we got to talk to you today. Um, you actually answered the rest of our personal questions yeah. with that because we were going <laughs> to ask you about wabi sabi and stuff. Yeah, you 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 really you really hit the nail on the head with that last yeah. one. Uh, so yeah, but uh, no, we're, we're happy to do this and we're, we're really happy you were willing to come on and talk to us about, about your work and about all of your other works. And I just, I love the way you were talking about, you know, just, just the, the different outlets that you have and how sometimes they take the place of others and just finding that place to put your creative energy, I think is really cool. Cause sometimes, you know, you have, you have a lot of creative energy, but you can't devote it to one thing. Like you can't devote yeah. it to your writing at one point. And so you want to devote it to music or, or writing comics or whatever. And I just think that's kind of a, kind of a beautiful thing is, is yeah. finding all of those creative outlets. Um, but yeah, as we said, you answered all of our questions, so thank you. Yeah. Um, so if you want to contact Alexander Perez, uh, you can find his email in the description. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Anything coming up for you that yeah. you want to talk about? I mean, other than this, not really. Uh, I am going to plug uh, a couple things that are not mine, if that's okay. Uh, totally. 
All right. Um, all right, folks. Uh, Paul Makes Everything Worse is a stop-motion animated comedy series. Not unlike something you would see, uh, uh, not unlike something you would see on Adult Swim or something like that. That elk, uh, really irreverent humor. One man wrecking crew. Uh, my good friend Luke Bond animated, wrote, uh, stars in, uh, and alongside a couple other people. Um, just look up Paul makes everything worse on YouTube. There's ten episodes, all of them extremely hilarious. Uh, there's also my good buddy uh, Garrett and uh, Jess's band on LA, Moon in the Milk. Moon in the Milk. They have their first concert film up on YouTube with a holiday special dropping on the 24th. Uh, really great, upbeat, power pop, rock, folk, everything. They're just, they're good at what they do. Um, so if you do I, if you look at either of these things, you are, you, you won't regret it. And if you watch it and you hate it, then you have my email and you can, and you can reach out to me and tell me how much my taste ups. Exactly. Uh, and we'll put and links to both it. of those. We can those. have a conversation about it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we'll put links to both of those in the description of the episode as well if you want to check oh, that out. Oh, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that is all for us then. Thanks so much for coming on, man. Again, we really appreciate it. Yeah. This oh, was, no worries. This it was, was great talking fun. to you guys. I have a yeah, I, I've listened to WTF for so many years. It's nice to be on this. Absolutely. The subject of it. So, you know, I mean, my imposter syndrome is going off pretty hard, but I, I, I enjoyed talking with you guys. <laughs> well, yeah, we, we had a we great were, time talking to you too. Yeah, we were happy to have you, man. Uh, so thank you again, and uh, we'll let you go. Have a great one. Hey, all right. Bye. Bye. Thank you.